Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let me read to you what I pulled up on Wikipedia for Toothless People because I think this Wikipedia description is very telling on what we're about to talk about. Let's do it. (laughs) The final parody recorded for the album was Toothless People, a play on Mick Jagger's Ruthless People, which was recorded on August 29th, 1986. The song about elderly people who are missing teeth was written after Yankovic heard that it was going to be the theme to the 1986 song Ruthless People. Assuming that the song would be a hit, Yankovic requested and received permission from Mick Jagger to record the parody version. Jagger's song, however, was not a hit, but because Jagger had already approved the parody, Al decided to follow through with the song because not doing so would be an insult to the artist. Wow. I mean that's a that's a tough I get it. I really do get it. That's a tough position. It's Mick Jagger yeah. has given you permission. He already gave to you an this. okay on a polka Holy and, cow. and a parody song. And then you have to be like, yeah. sorry, Mick Jagger, never mind. You're not as successful as I thought you were gonna be. Yeah. Brutal. And what also doesn't help Ruthless people sucks. <laughs> Like the song, like I gave that the song "Ruthless People" does nothing for me. It is, I mean, okay. Hindsight is twenty twenty, always, but it does surprise me that Al heard the original of this song and went, "Yes, that's what I want to do." Because I don't, I agree, I don't hear it. I don't know how anyone could have heard this song and thought this was going to be like a smash hit. Unless so, they were just counting on it being successful off the back of a movie, which and that's, by every so, measure should have been a hit. Yeah. This, so this, yeah, there's a lot to unpack with this this whole uh, situation that led us to this point. This is what I wrote down. The things that fail the most on this album are the parodies. And I don't blame Al for that. I said, this is the prime example of a thing that he has been concerned about still to this day, which is trying to make something that is timely and culturally significant at the exact same time. Yeah. And I think that that's what happened here was he was just like, shit, like I need a song. I think that this was him attempting to do what he eventually was able to pull off with 
whatever you like, which was having a parody song on the Billboard charts at the exact same time that the song was on the charts that mm. was being parodied. Right. So I think he took a real gamble on like, it's Mick Jagger, it's it's a film from the guys who did Airplane, like, how could this ever miss? Yeah. And then was like, the you know, a man who normally has a very good track record of predicting what is going to be massive just totally fumbled the ball on this one. Yeah. I remember this is like light years ahead, but in terms of Al's predicting uh, what's going to be big, um, and we'll talk about it briefly now just because it's going to it's years down the line for us. But I remember Al saying that when he was doing mandatory fun, he was really trying to figure out he wanted to get ahead of something and parody something again before it was a huge hit so that the parody could come out at the same time. And um, his big gamble on that record was Fancy, the Iggy Azalea track, which he heard really early and played it for his daughter, who, if I remember correctly, was like, I don't know this song, but I really like it. And he was like, okay, yeah. let's give it a shot. And that worked. He actually nailed it on that one. But um, but yeah, no, this is like, if you want to try to get that timing right, you have to sort of be an oracle and know a forthcoming huge cultural moment ahead of the public and uh yeah he uh real swing and a miss yeah i mean he called it on i i think a, a better example of him and this was obvious from the from out the gate anyway but like the saga begins right like he was like there's going to be a new star wars movie oh yeah this movie is going to be massive I am going to make sure this parody is coming out as that movie is dropping in theaters. But in order to make you know sure I mean? he like, had that mark, he wound up parodying a song that was so much older. Like yes. he, he went back in time for the song parody so that it was all about the movie. You know what I mean? Like Which it I wasn't, think he tried to do again with Ode to a Superhero and didn't even bother releasing it as a single. Ooh. Which Spoiler alert, another miss. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you familiar with Ruthless People, the movie? Do you know this? Is this like a thing I in your life? I purchased a used copy of the DVD and have not watched it yet. Okay. Because I always assumed, I incorrectly assumed that Ruthless People was a Danny DeVito movie in the same vein as like a War on War of the Roses. Like it was a Danny DeVito dark comedy that he wrote and directed. And it wasn't until recently that I was like, wait, this is the follow-up to airplane like this is like the zucker brothers and zucker and abraham's like zucker Abrahams and movie zucker, yeah. as a trio it, like, I, I, that's the thing i also it, it i just surprised me yeah so it was they did kentucky fried movie airplane top secret and then this and then this is it and after this and then they, they broke split up. and they wound up doing things separately from each other which i kind of knew that but i thought I thought that was because this was a flop. I didn't realize the no, movie was No, the movie was, was the most successful. financially successful. Yeah, I just read that because it's so I was crazy. like and I know nothing about it. I could not tell you what this movie's about. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I know nothing about it. And it's one of those interesting things that like it was wildly successful. It was by this group of people who made other movies. Like obviously people still talk about Airplane. Um, and even Top Secret. I know, and I know people like have seen, I never hear people talk about this movie. And it's one no. of those odd things of like, it was successful, but somehow fell out of pop culture. It's very well, strange I, how that happens. 
I've talked about it on this show and One Hit Thunder before. It is crazy how popular something can be. And then just a couple years later, it's like it never even existed Yeah, in like the cultural zeitgeist. Like it just completely dissolves from everybody's memory. It's funny. At the time <laughs> of this recording, it's not out yet, but we're, it will be approaching the release of this, the sequel to Avatar, which yeah. I have talked to people about so many times, like the highest grossing movie ever. And who in the world knows anything about that movie? Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. I, it's like you don't ever have to have seen Star Wars to be able to name at least three characters from Star Wars. But people who everybody by by every measure, everyone in the world saw Avatar. And I would challenge anybody to name a character or what happened other than the most broad strokes. Like nobody. It, it's the weirdest thing that it like made this huge impact financially but had no cultural significance whatsoever maybe following people remember the worst pieces of it yeah you know like the worst elements it's like what do you remember from avatar i'm like unobtainium (laughs) like like the worst names yeah it's like the worst named thing (laughs) that you could come up with yeah for what's the unattainable thing that they're trying to get i don't know unobtainium great let's roll with that (laughs) oh my god yeah i remember (laughs) groaning in the theater when i saw that um no it's so strange how those things happen like and and maybe this is just another and again hilarious like when this episode comes out avatar 2 will be a huge smash hit and everyone will be running around in avatar fuck you know costumes or whatever that's what i don't understand i literally i can see both versions yeah you know i mean like in one part of my brain i can see that the film absolutely flops it was way too long the most that people remember about Avatar is that it gave us like one of the best Disney park rides and like that's all people connect with it. Yeah. Or that the same way that I, the spoiler is like, I don't think the first Avatar is that good of a movie. Like, well, it now was like in hindsight, giant... nobody does. Again, at the time it came out, everyone freaked out about it. But it and was I think the they spectacle were mostly, of seeing it, was the it spectacle. in 3D. Exactly. Yeah, it was like, the best 3D movie experience that had ever happened at that point. And I agree with that. I remember seeing it in the theater in 3D and being like, this is pretty wild. See, I just watched it in my house when it came out on DVD and was like, what is this long garbage? I think that's part like, of the problem. <laughs> I think people who saw it at home on DVD on a regular television were just like, okay, this is, yeah. <laughs> this is fine. It was all I, about the spectacle of the IMAX 3D experience and Maybe this will recapture that for people and people will be willing to spend, you know, the, you know, I don't know how much it costs now at probably $30 a ticket to see a movie like that nowadays. Yeah. Throwback to literally the Here's Johnny episode. But like, I was, I remember watching it being like, I like this better when it was called Fern Gully because like, that's what it was. True. It was, it was all the plot beats of Fern Gully. True. But ruthless people off the table. All right. All the different, uh, the fact that this is not a very strong song to begin with, the fact that this song was a flop, the fact that Al kind of begrudgingly felt like he had to put this out because he had already gotten the okay to do it. Like, let's take all of that off the table. I also just think the lyrics are not good at this song. Like, nothing about this song works for me. I, I It makes me wonder. So I'm probably giving it more thought than it deserves now, but is there a chance that this is a reference to something that happens in this movie? Is there a toothless, is there a toothless so. person in Ruthless People? <laughs> I don't I know. No clue. I don't it's, know. It's I feel such like... a bad, like, toothless people. <laughs> just changing ruthless people to toothless people is the kind of thing that, like, 
they would make as a joke on The Simpsons about a new Weird Al song. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like it's such true. a... You know, like, it's like... It's the same thing I said with, like, I want a new duck. Like, it's just like, what is this even coming from? Like, it's such a... It's such a bad pun. He was worried about doing a music video for Addicted to Spuds because he thought that that was too one note of a concept. But like toothless people, we have like a three and a half long minute just about like, hey, they got no teeth or their breasts stink. Like that is the whole song. Yeah, it's it's feels long. There's very little to it. Uh, even looking at the lyrics, I have the lyrics. I'm like, there's so few words. This is the sign of how long this song feels. I legit. <laughs> I legitimately, because I pulled it up on YouTube to listen to, and there was a point where I was taking the notes, and I was like, all right, let me just see how much more time is left in this song, and like flipped back over to the YouTube page. I'm like, oh, God, there's another minute of this. Like, it just, it's it's rough and i hate like i hate when we do these episodes i don't look forward (laughs) i don't look forward to doing an episode about a song written by a guy who i love where he did bad but he did bad on this like yeah the only thing that makes me feel good is that i know that we're about to hit even worse after this and i genuinely think that even worse is remarkable with how strong the parodies and the originals are on that album that I'm like, this is okay. He's going to bounce back from this. Like I'm sitting here listening to toothless people and I'm getting really upset about it. But (laughs) I know that the very next time that I have to rank parodies, it's not a battle of like, is this better or worse than Hey John, here's Johnny. It's, it's going to be like shit, fat, this song is just six words long. I think I'm a clone now. Lasagna, like these are all heavy hitter, great songs in his catalog. Like, so I'm just, I, it's such a bummer. And if you're, if this is your first episode of Weird Algorithm, because you were like, man, I love Toothless People. I can't wait to hear. <laughs> Finally, someone's guys. gonna dissect Toothless People. I, I, I don't think. <laughs> I, I, I actually almost wish that I had watched Ruthless People, although I don't think it would have helped me at all in this episode no um, i don't think it would have clarified I, I don't a single believe, thing just doing a quick little bit of research now i do not believe that there are any toothless people in ruthless people <laughs> i think that it's really just that and again I, I yeah i it like you said matt it reminds me a little bit of i want a new duck which has that same vibe of like sounds like a pun that was he came up with like on the way to the studio and was yeah. like, we got to just do this fast and get it done. Like the lyrics are, are they're clunky. It's not even yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there's even a better version of this same joke that could have come through, but it's also like, it's a sparse song. There's not room for a lot of words. No, it's, it's I, just, and it I was not a great like song to parody in the first place. It was, we keep coming back to it is ruthless people by Mick Jagger is just not that good. No, it's not that good of a song. And, and I, the only thing that makes me feel good is like, I don't think Al is particularly proud of this song either. You know what I mean? Like it just from that description, it's like he almost begrudgingly did this because he didn't want to disrespect Mick Jagger from who had already granted the permission. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, no, I I guess so. I feel like this isn't, if you asked him what his, like what parodies he is least proud of were throughout his career, I wouldn't be shocked if toothless people appeared on it um i'll say another which another is thing a- uh according to setlist fm at the very least toothless people never played live 
Never played live. Never so played even live. During, and in the world even of his parodies, opening... that's kind of unusual. Yeah. Like, even, you know, even when he was opening for the Monkees in 1986, when people were having ruthless people fever, he still yeah. <laughs> was like, now nah, I'm good. Not doing this one. Um, it's so funny because I do think about, I think about the world where this show continues to grow. It becomes this massive show and somehow we land a chance to talk to Al himself. And I really, I hate to say this. I really do think that I am less interested in knowing about the writing of Yoda <laughs> and Dare to be Stupid and would be way more interested in knowing like, what was going on with Girls Just Want to Have Lunch? What was going yeah. on with Toothless People? Like, tell us the stories of these parodies that didn't work. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I have heard him do interviews before where he has, you know, admitted, you know, people have asked him, like, do you look back at any of your parodies and and cringe or wish that you had done things differently? And he was like, of course. He's like, yeah. of course now. He's like, and, you know, again, talking about, we've said it before on the show, it's just the nature of comedy is that yeah. some things age really poorly when this is but this is different in the sense of this isn't like this isn't like when you're watching you're like oh you couldn't say that today like oh I yeah don't, no it's not I, like it's I, offensive it's just yeah. not good i don't think that this was good in 86 like, like yeah maybe I, not I it, it's possible i'm even giving it more credit but it's like i'm going back to like the recurring joke we talk about about how like you know in the 80s it was like just the word sushi made everybody laugh. Yeah, that was the punchline. And, like, hey, and you know, I don't know. Maybe somebody in, in 86 heard this and was like, ah, this is great. It's about old people without teeth. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of probably meeting more than halfway there. But no, I think yeah. you're right. I think that, I mean, just the nature of the deals. You know, we one thing we talk about a little bit on this show, but not a ton, is all of the, there's a lot of, there must be a lot of politics in what Al does. And I mean that in the business sense of like trying to make the right people happy, trying to not um, offend anybody. Uh, I mean, while making comedy, trying not to offend the original artist, like he has managed to hit this balance throughout his career of generally speaking, being a beloved figure in the music industry. And that comes from playing a really delicate game with other people's art. Um, yeah. and I think in plenty of occasions, and then on top of that, his own label telling him like, oh, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to cover, you got to do a song from someone else on our label because we need to like get, you know, cross promotion going and all this kind of thing. Um, he must get pulled a lot of different directions while also still trying to be true to himself and do things that he really cares about. And it, when you look at it through that lens, like it's inevitable that, of course, he was going to get pushed in a, into a couple girls just want to have lunch scenarios or something like this, which, again, he he did essentially as a favor to Mick Jagger, which is bizarre yeah. to say. But it's true. Like that was like and, you know, in hindsight, I don't know if Mick Jagger was like heard this and was like, oh, thank God, Al saved yeah. my song. Like it probably he probably could have just skipped it. I don't think Mick Jagger would have been like, can you believe this guy? Asked me for well, my permission. It must not have made him too mad because Al, because Jagger had to give him approval to do multiple Rolling Stones songs for the next polka. It wouldn't Al surprise me at all do, if so. Al reached out to Mick Jagger about this and was like, hey, I'm really sorry. That turned out to not work like I hoped, but I'd like to do something yeah. in the future. And then we get to the Hot Rocks polka sh shortly down the line. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. 
And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. All right, well, I think it's time to do the rankings and if it hasn't been obvious through the last some hints in the last episode and this whole conversation i am actually putting toothless people at the very bottom of my list i i think that this is truly al at his at his absolute worst just when you thought i i, I really kind of thought brady bunch was gonna stick at the bottom for you for a really long time and i guess it was there for no. a while yes it's the third song on in 3D, That's so it true. made it through it's been, all of Dare to be months. Stupid it's and, been a few months. and Side A of uh, Polka Party. <laughs> yeah. You know I hate it when we agree, Matt, but <laughs> I think I have to agree with you on this. I was going to say, if you tried to argue with me on this one, <laughs> I was going to be like, at least I want a new drug is just an overall I was going to say, I have to give credit. Like, I want a new drug. It's just, even though I, I'm not a huge fan of I want a new duck, well-documented. That, at least, is just a more fun piece of music. It's really, really hard to find any uh, joy in listening to Ruthless People or Toothless People. It's just a... It's just... It's just there. I would love... Uh, uh, I, I wish this was an episode where we had a... Like, when on Girls Just Want to Had Lunch and we had Levi on, who was, like, grew up as a big fan of the song. I almost wish we had somebody as a guest on this episode who was like, when I was a kid, I thought this was the funniest song ever. Just as a counterpoint. If you are that person... Send us an email Please or a message us. or something, and yeah. I want to know uh, about your uh, childhood of uh, toothless people fandom, um, where you like had a Halloween costume where you went out as a toothless person because of uh, how much you loved this song. But and how every time you see the... Al, you just scream "toothless people" the whole show. Please play just... it. Uh, so <laughs> here's the piece of hopefulness, though. Okay, it's all uphill from here, baby. <laughs> like that's like, true. We've got t- we got two good originals and really one of the most stunning um, albums that he's ever composed. So like, yeah. So I, I think we've got good stuff coming. Yeah, up. it's like we said the 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 parodies on this record were somewhat cursed from the jump, um, and it's a shame. But uh, you know, we 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 soldier like Al. You take the L, you soldier on. That's what he yeah. did. He, you take the good, you take the bad. It's just the facts of Al. There, oh, <laughs> wow. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 